So I've been um, working through this passage all week, and, and it reminded me of something that I read recently. And it was talking about bypass surgery or heart bypass surgery. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's where they take a vein out of your leg and they basically stitch it into your heart to bypass a part that's being clogged as a way basically to save your life. And it's interesting because I was reading this and it said that this is meant to be like a short-term fix. It's, um, it's not uh, meant to, so you can just keep on doing what you've been doing um, in terms of the way that you live. It's meant to fix something. And so when doctors do this, they say bypass surgery comes uh, with a change of life. They, they encourage people, you need to, if you're smoking, you need to stop smoking. If you're drinking too much, you need to stop drinking. If you are eating food that's too fatty or too much cholesterol, you need to stop doing that. You need to start exercising. You need to live differently. So it's funny, when doctors, uh, when they, basically when they do this and they fix them, um, they say you need to change your life too. Because if you don't change your life, you're going to be right back here or you might be dead. They say that this, this bypass surgery comes with a change or die result. It's interesting. I, I have people in our family, uh, on Tracy's side of the family, that, um, she has members in the family who've had multiple bypass surgeries multiple times. They, they aren't changing their lives. They still eat the food that they love to eat, but it's killing them. And so when they have this bypass surgery, it's basically change or die. What's interesting for me is that they've done a study and they found that 90% of the people don't change. So with this life or death situation, if you keep doing this, it's going to kill you. You need to change. 90% of the people still don't. They keep eating the food that they love or putting off exercise until next January when they're going to finally start. They don't change. And it got me thinking about this passage because um, Jesus, um, we're going to read about it here in a minute, he's in Jerusalem and he sees this guy who, uh, who's disabled um, by, these, uh, by the sheep gate, um, the pool is called Bethesda, and he's here and um, Jesus heals him. But as we watch through the rest of the story, it doesn't look like he's ready for life change yet. And we'll get into that. And I started thinking about this, and i got to be honest, at first I was pretty hard on this guy. I mean, which sounds pretty bad for a pastor to be hard on a guy who's disabled for 38 years. I'm sorry. I'm human. But I was pretty hard on him. I was like, come on, Jesus just healed you. But then I started to think about, well, are there times when I do this? When I start thinking about, like, what... Christ has done in my life? Do I take it for granted? Am I, have I been healed in, in so many ways and yet do I fail to live out that healing? Do I fail to live in light of this new life that God has given me? I don't know, do, do any of you have those thoughts or those questions? No, never? All right, so I thought maybe it was just me, but okay. But if you could imagine, if you were to have that thought, what it might be like. You know, those times when we lose it, when we lose our temper, and, and afterward we just think, like, man, where did that come from? Like, that's not how Christ wants me to live. Or those times when we cut corners on people, when we take the easy way, rather than doing the right thing, because of how hard it would be to do the right thing. 
Do any of you know this? Do you have anybody experienced these things? Because we have this new life in Christ, and yet we still struggle. There are still times when we fail to live it out, when we fail to live according to this new life that we've been given. Well, this happens this morning. So let's, if you would, in your bulletin, you'll see this white sheet. If you want to follow along, it's in your Bible. It's chapter 5. That would be better. But if, you, uh, if your Bible's not handy, this white sheet's really easy to follow too. So it said, Sometime later, uh, Jesus went to Jerusalem for, the, for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. One who was there, uh, was there had been there in, uh, an invalid, uh, disabled, for 38 years. So this is just, this is the setup here. This is the, the background of what's happening. And Jesus is here in Jerusalem. He comes to the Sheep Gate. And I believe that Jesus is here on purpose. I believe that Jesus has come to save people. Not just, not just spiritually, I mean, importantly, really important spiritually, but also physically. He's come to heal people, to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is breaking in. And so he's here, I think, on purpose to heal this guy. And it's interesting to me what he says. Jesus comes to this man who's been disabled for 38 years. And it's said that he knew how long he'd been there. In the text, if you look there, it says that he knew that he'd been there for a long time. And so he comes to him and he says, do you want to be healed? That's an interesting question. It's kind of surprising to me. Do you want to be healed? How many of you are thinking right now, come on, Jesus, of course he wants to be healed. What kind of question is that? I mean, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. For 38 years, he's been treated as a crippled person. People probably even call him, hey, cripple. And, and so not only do we realize what that's like in our society, when people see you not as a person but as a disability, but in that time it was actually really hard too to be a person with a disability because you were treated like a leper. You were unclean. You couldn't come into the temple because you weren't uh, perfect or because you weren't whole, because you had this disability. You were kept on the outside. People kind of treated you like trash. They avoided you. They tried not to touch you. They act like you weren't even there. So, I mean, obviously this guy wants to be healed. I mean, he's here at the pool, waiting, um, trying to find his way to get into the pool to be healed. Like, he's here because he wants to be healed. But I think he wants to be healed just physically. That's all he's thinking about here. I wonder about his heart, about the whole person. Let me explain this a little bit. So Jesus comes and he says to him, do you want to be healed? And, you know, I think if he was just saying, do you want your body to be made well, then I think maybe it would be sort of an odd question. But I think Jesus, and maybe it's just me, but I hear Jesus asking more here. Do you want to be made well? Not just your body, but your whole life. Are you willing to live differently? I want to change your life, but are you ready to live into it? 
And I don't think Jesus is in any way discrediting what this man has gone through. 38 years of being disabled in a culture that didn't really treat disabled people very well. Do you want to be made well? Are you ready to live differently? Because I can heal your body, but, and I can heal your soul too, but it's, it comes from you as well. This part of, are you going to continue living as a victim? And let me explain this in a little bit, but we'll get to that. He says, are you ready to live differently? To be well? Are you going to keep on living the way that you've always lived? Are you going to live into this new reality, this new body that I want to give you? Jesus is here to heal him. Jesus has come into the world. This Son of God, this Savior has come to heal us, to heal our lives, to make things new, to make things right. So I watch what happens here. And then um, if you look at your, at your sheet here, so Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And it's interesting for me, the reply that the guy gives him. He says, sir, sir, I have nobody to help me get into the pool. Nobody to, to carry me. And in the Greek, it actually has no one to throw me in. And when I do try to go, someone else cuts in front of me and they take my spot. It's interesting to me because, you know, at first, I thought, that's a surprising answer. He says, do you want to be healed? And this guy starts giving me all these excuses of why he's not healed or, or why it's not fair for him. And at first, I started thinking, you know, this sounds like he's whining. I mean, I have two little boys, so I know a little bit about whining right now. But I started listening again. I think, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And what I realized as I was studying through it and working on it is that this guy thinks that Jesus is talking about the pool. He doesn't yet realize who Jesus is. He doesn't realize that he's talking with the Son of God. The Son of God who was there when the world was created, who created and sustains everything we see. The God who heals and makes things right. When Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? He gives him all these excuses. I mean, he's here at the pool. He's thinking pool, pool. And someone asks him, do you want to be healed? And he says, here's why I can't get in the pool. Here's why my way of saving myself doesn't work. I need more help. I need someone to take care of me. I need someone to do it for me. He doesn't understand that Jesus is talking about healing in a different way. He doesn't understand that Jesus is the Son of God who's there to heal him himself. So Jesus, being who he is, he says to him, he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. And immediately the man stood up, took up his mat and began to walk around. Now think about how this has played out. This guy's been, been disabled for 38 years, lying by this pool, trying to get in. They, I, I'm not sure if some believe that, that, um, uh, that they had this belief that when the water stirred, it was an angel. If you got in, if you were the first one in, then you would be healed. This guy's at this pool trying, like, this is like trying to hit the healing lottery. He's trying anything he can do. And so when Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? The guy replies to him with all these reasons why he can't get into the pool on, on time. No one's there to carry him in. But Jesus, with this wry smile on his face, he says, get up. This smile that says, you don't understand, I'm going to heal you. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. 
You're so focused on how you are going to heal yourself. You're missing the point. I'm going to heal you. See, I think, you know, sometimes we hear, like, we think in our world, and we're used to people talking about, you know, you know healing yourself or, or doing it for yourself. And, and that's, I don't think that's really what Jesus is talking about here. I don't, fit, I don't think that fits with the view of God. Jesus is not saying to this man, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He's saying, I'm going to heal you. We don't heal ourselves. Christ heals us. So this man comes, so Jesus comes and he he heals him. But here's the thing. I'm not sure that the guy got it. I think his body was made well, but I don't think the rest of him, I think, well, let me say this other way, I think the rest of him was still disabled. I think his heart was still disabled. Let me explain. There's one little detail in this, in this uh, story. If you look at verse 9, it's about halfway down. It said, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So Jesus is doing these things on the Sabbath. First of all, um, just to give you back on the Sabbath, Sabbath was one of the signs that came, or was the sign that came when Moses gave the law at Sinai. This, this sign of faithfulness that the people were meant to do. And so here at Sabbath, Jesus is doing these things. He's healing this guy, which I was looking through scripture and I didn't see anywhere where it, did, where it said, you know, thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath. But there was a tradition around that time that if someone were sick or injured, if it was life-threatening, then yes, by all means heal them. But if it could wait, then wait. You know, observe the Sabbath. And so um, this guy, I mean, I, I would say it's probably not a life-threatening thing. I mean, I think it was a big deal, but in terms of their time, it was not like he'd been, he'd been this way for 38 years. He could probably hold out a few more hours till the next day. But Jesus heals him on that day. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is really surprising to me, is that Jesus says on the Sabbath, take up your mat and walk. Now, that I did find in Jeremiah uh, uh, 17, 21, Jeremiah says, the Lord says, thou shalt not carry any burden on the Sabbath, nor carry it into the gates of Jerusalem. And here is Jesus telling this man to pick up his mat and walk, to carry it. And that's surprising. That is a big deal. And we'll talk some more about this next week, about the fact that I see here the covenants, this transition between the Sinai covenant, the Abraham covenant, coming fulfilled in Jesus, and the new covenant beginning that we still need this rest, but Sabbath, that's the sign of of the Mosaic Covenant. But we are in this new covenant. We'll talk some more about this next week, but it kind of helps to understand what happens next. Because this guy is carrying this mat, and uh, he's going, and it says the Jewish people. It could be the Jewish leaders, but in the text it just says Jewish people. They say, hey, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing carrying your mat? I mean, it's a valid question for them at that time. And this is where I think the guy still is missing it, the guy who's been healed. Because you know what he, you know what he says here is surprising to me or interesting. He doesn't say, um, oh, you're right, I'm sorry, I, I was just healed, my life has changed, you're right, I shouldn't be doing this, forgive me. This guy says, in an ironic way, the man who healed me, he made me do it. That guy. Uh, I, I know I'm not supposed to be doing it, but it was 
That guy who healed me, he's the one who made me do it. This guy still, even though he's just been healed, he has this new lease on life, this new way of living. He's still living out of his disabled heart, blaming others, blaming Jesus. I mean, they, didn't, they weren't so upset about him being healed, but the fact that he was carrying his mat. And he's carrying his mat, and he says, it wasn't me, it was, it's not my fault. It was, that guy told me to do it. His heart is still disabled. He's still not living into this new life that Jesus has given him. So I see this guy, and his response to Jesus is surprising to me. Jesus has come to heal him, and the response of this man is surprising. So the Pharisees, are not the Pharisees, sorry, the Jewish people, they ask him, so who did this? Who told you this? And the guy said, I, I don't know. And, and Jesus had sort of slipped away in the crowd that was around him. Now, it's interesting for me because this could have been the end of the story. But not with Jesus. This could have been the end of it. It could have just been, you know, they could have, that could have been all in the guy, but not with Jesus. I believe that Jesus desires more for this guy. This guy who's been healed in body, I think Jesus desires that, his, that all of him would be healed, that he would be made well. Not just his body healed, but all of him, his heart included. He desires more for him. Not only that he be able to walk, that he be able to walk in light of his new faith or his new um, life that Jesus had given him. So Jesus comes up to him. He finds him in the temple, which is an interesting detail because this is probably the first time the guy has been able to go in the temple in 38 years. So he gets to go and and worship God in the temple. So Jesus goes and he finds him there. And he says to him, literally he says, Look, you've been healed. Stop sinning so that nothing else happens to you or nothing worse happens to you. Look, you have a new life. I've given you a new way to live. Stop sinning so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, this could be Jesus threatening him. (laughs) I don't think so, but it could. I mean, some people wonder that, you know. Jesus saying here, stop doing it, or I'll make sure something worse happens to you. I don't hear that. And as I read through the Gospels, that doesn't seem like Jesus. He could be talking generally, kind of like general advice. Stop sinning, or worse things will happen to you. Sort of like, if you live faithfully, good things will happen, generally speaking. If you keep doing sinful things, making sinful choices, selfish choices, greedy choices, angry choices, bad things will happen. You know, good general advice. That's possible. But given this story, I think actually Jesus is speaking about something specifically. I think he's speaking specifically of this guy and his unchanged heart. That this guy continues to blame other people for his life, for the hard things in his life. And I need to say this carefully because this guy really has been disabled for 38 years. I mean, he didn't ask to be disabled. So in some sense, like, there are things beyond his control. But the way that he's responding to it, I think Jesus is saying, stop doing this. When he asked him, do you want to be healed, the guy gave all sorts of reasons why no one was there to, to carry him into the pool. And, and when he did try to go in, someone would cut in front of him. And it wasn't right. And blaming others. And then when Jesus, um, and Jesus does heal him, and the, the Jewish people see him, 
You know, rather than saying, this guy healed me, and you're right, it's my mistake, he says, no, this guy healed me, he's the one who told me to do it, you need to go talk to him. Shifting the blame always to somewhere else. I believe that when we do this, when we throw the blame constantly, when we blame other people for the things in our lives, we stay stuck. It's not God's best for us. God desires more for us. But when our life is all about blaming other people, we stay stuck. We never move ahead. We continue to blame. We continue to stay stuck where we're at. And I think about the words of Paul as I was writing this. And I was, and I was thinking the words of Romans when he says that we, in Christ we are more than conquerors. In Jesus, we, know, we are no longer victims or have to live as victims. We have this amazing new hope in Christ, this amazing new life in him. You know, it's, and I don't mean to, to belittle at all the hard things that have happened in our lives. I know some of your stories, and they are excruciating. But because of Jesus, we don't have to tell that story like a tragedy anymore. We have this new life in him. I'm not saying pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. I don't think that's the gospel. But I am saying that we have a new life in Jesus that we can live into him. We can live out this way that we've been healed. This grace that we've received. This new life that we've found. So I think Jesus is telling him to stop sinning. The trouble is, I don't think this guy gets it. I don't think he gets it. I don't think he understands that, that uh, the situations in his life, that he has responsibility for those too. It's not all just other people and what they've done to him. Also too, I think that, that this guy doesn't realize that when you constantly blame other people for the problems in your life, you stay stuck. It's true, this guy can walk around, his body has been healed, but he's still stuck. His heart is still disabled. And we see this by the next thing he does. Jesus talks with him, tells him to stop sinning. And in the story, it says, he threw his arms around Jesus and hugged him and said, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And he went and lived an amazing life. <laughs> Pat's looking at me like, that's not what it says. <laughs> no. Jesus told him to stop sinning, and the next thing he does, he goes and he finds these Jewish people, and he says, Jesus is the one who did this. And because of that, they began to persecute him for what he had done on the Sabbath. So this guy's been healed. His life has been changed, disabled, put on the outside of society. He's been given a new lease on life, and Jesus has to keep talking with him, and the first thing he does is he goes back and he says, hey, I finally found out who, who we're looking for. It's Jesus. He's the guy who did this. He sells them out. And because of this, the Jewish people began to persecute him. Or at the very least, the Jewish leaders, I think, is probably more accurate. Began to persecute him. Now, it's interesting. I was in one of the commentaries I was reading this week. He talked about this guy who's hard to like. And that's such a gracious way. I, I think this guy's more of a weasel to me. I mean, he's been healed, given a new life and he sells out Jesus. And I, some have said, well, maybe he didn't understand what he was doing. I think he did, because he had been in trouble. Like, he knew that he wasn't supposed to be walking around with a mat. 
And rather than protect Jesus or to say or to testify who Jesus was, even in, regardless of the trouble it caused him, he said, Jesus is the guy, that's the one you want to go get. This guy didn't get it. So I start thinking about this for us. We began this morning talking about, you know, do we live out this life, this faith that we have, this new life in Jesus, how we still struggle with it at times. And it begins to hit home for us. We hear this story and we start thinking, man, where does my story sound like this guy? Or where does my life look like this guy? In what ways am I not living out the gospel? This amazing news that Jesus, because he came, because he lived among us, because he died on a cross and because he rose again, because he ascended into heaven and is seated at God's right hand, because he is coming again, how, because of this good news, how am I still failing to live my life in light of that? In what ways am I still living my life as though I were the victim or, or as the problems in my life are everybody else's fault, not mine? It's a challenging question for us. Because I believe Jesus came to heal us, to restore us. And so I hear Jesus asking us, do you want to be made well? And do we respond with excuses of, well, you know, Jesus, you don't understand how hard my life is. You don't understand the obstacles I'm facing and the things that, I mean, I want to follow you, but I can't because here's all these reasons why I can and I want to live differently, but I can't. Do we come with excuses? Or do we blame others? Jesus, I, I want to live this new life. I'm grateful for what you've done, but I can't because you don't understand. My spouse, they're horrible. They mess up my life. I can't do what I know I'm supposed to do. Or it's my kids. You don't understand how messed up they are. Or it's my job, my boss. My, Jesus, you don't understand who my boss is. They're horrible. How am I supposed to live faithfully? How am I supposed to live a different life with a boss like that or a neighbor like that? Do we come with excuses and blaming others? To this, I hear Jesus say, with this smile on his face. See, you're thinking about the ways that you'd be healed. I hear him saying with a smile on his face, I'm going to heal you. Get up. Take up your mat and walk. Stop sinning, or worse things will happen. That happens in life. We make bad choices, bad consequences come. So I want to encourage you this week, where this, I hear this text hitting the road for us, the rubber meeting the road. I want you to do uh, just a few things. I want you to, one, read this passage this week. Read it in your Bible. That would be better. If you have just this white sheet of paper, read it here. Read this passage again and ask God, ask God, God, in what ways am I like this guy? In what ways is my heart still disabled? In what ways do I still take you for granted and live like this guy. Fail to live into this new life that you've given me. Imagine what that question could do. It's a scary question for me, even as I think about it. But imagine what that could do as we begin asking that question as a church. What that could mean in our marriages. What that could mean with our families, with our kids. What that could mean for us as a church, asking this question, Lord, how am I still living with a disabled heart? Show me.
and help me. Because Jesus has come to heal us. As in Isaiah, they said, by his wounds we have been healed. Christ has come to set us free. We don't have to live um, with a disabled heart anymore. We don't have to live um, blaming others and making excuses. We have this new life in Christ. This is the good news.